When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the British Royal Fanatic Podcast. I'm Hayden, your American friend with a passion for British royal history. If you enjoy discussing royal media of all kinds, like television, books, film, documentaries, and more, current events, royal fashion, and royal history's past, then you have found your home. Welcome to the show. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and hit that bell notification so that you get up-to-date notifications on when we upload on this channel. Continuing our series with The Crown and other royal media in preparation for season five of The Crown, we have arrived at season four. The infamous season four that, in my opinion, got a little too close to the sun because the firm tried to <laughs> tried to do some things when it finally got published that did not go over well. And again, in my opinion, things got a little too close to the sun, or else why would they react in such a big way? But before we get into today, if you enjoy the show, all the links to the socials are down in the description box below, as well as all of our sources for today. And everything you need to join our own little royal family is all down in the description box below. So let's just get right into it right off the bat. Season four, but First, where season three left off. Season three left off really tragic. The queen is a little melancholy. She feels like she hasn't really done anything in her, you know, 25 years of her reign. She has her silver jubilee, but does she does she really feel anything? And she feels really conflicted because there's been a lot of tragic at home, a lot of um, economic crisis out in the country, but she feels like, no, what, what have I done? And so she's kind of in this mood point area but also we have Prince Charles, who's very beaten down. He feels like the system has betrayed him. The woman he loves has been married away. He's been sent off. And so he feels very tragic and very heartbroken in his feelings. So that's where season three left off. It's sort of very tragic, very sad. And it sort of sets the groundwork for season four. Now... They really didn't announce when the season four trailer was going to drop. They just did a little teaser and then the full trailer dropped about a week later. And this took the world by storm. I distinctly remember this trailer coming out and seeing Emma Corrin as Princess Diana in her wedding dress was truly something that completely left the world agape. It was very much, hey, here's the trailer hey, here's this, and we got to see some wonderful teasers, but I remember watching that trailer 
over and over and over again, just trying to see what the season, because why season four is so important is we finally get Princess Diana. Now, here on the show, we've kind of talked about how royal media and the press really like to keep rehashing her storyline and rehashing her they're not really doing anything new with it right now it's sort of just retelling of the same story so it's i was really curious to see how the crown was going to approach certain topics and they don't really like to sort of talk about these sort of early years it's all late 80s or 90s when she has her stella's got a groove back moment but seeing these trailers i was so enamored and curious about what was going to be this season you could clearly tell they've got a bigger budget they've got fantastic costumes they've again this season was fantastic so what was new about this season well first let's start with the cast in addition to emma corrin playing princess diana we have angus imry as prince edward we have tom brine as prince andrew and we have julian anderson as margaret thatcher and our girl Claire Foy comes and makes a one-episode cameo, which is truly, truly wonderful that we get to see Claire Foy back as the young queen, the young ingenue of the queen. Now, settings. There are so many locations this season. They've really expanded the universe of The Crown, both what's being shot on a soundstage and what's being shot on location, and they really tried their best to keep as much of this on location as possible. So... In terms of Buckingham Palace, of course, sound stages are used, used still for the Queen and Prince Philip's rooms. We still have Lancaster House, but we have Goldsmiths Hall in London. We have Wilton House in Wilshire. We have the Old Royal Naval College in Greenwich. We have Wadson Manor in Buckinghamshire. We have the University of Greenwich, and we have Rodham Park and Moore Park in Hertfordshire. Balmoral Castle exterior was Adverick House in the Scottish Highlands, and the interior was two homes. It was either Nobworth House in Hertfordshire or Hydeser House in Buckinghamshire. 10 Downing Street was, of course, shot on a soundstage or other parts of um, Hydeser House. New York City, Princess Diana goes to New York City uh, this season, which is true, true to life, which was North The north quarter of Manchester was actually completely retrofitted to be New York in the late 80s. And they used John Ryland's library. They used University of Manchester and the former Free Trade Hall on Peter Street. Australia, which again, they go, they highlight the Australia tour that Charles and Diana went on. And this is where a lot of was digitally enhanced here, where they would shoot on a soundstage and just digitally expand it. Or they'd shoot in one area and just completely recreate it digitally. The Australian tour was where they really, really did a lot of um, digital. Uh, But the interior shots were uh, done at Australia House in London. While the exterior and a lot of the... Whether being out in a field or going to uh, Mount Uluru... Uh, was done in Magdala, Spain, and other outs, other outdoor scenes were shot in um, Almeria, Spain. Mustique was shot in southern Spain. Highgrove House, we see uh, Charles's home, was a Summerley House in Hampshire. Kensington Palace was Harefield Grove in Uxbridge, Rocket Hall in Hertfordshire, and parts of the Somerset Boarding School at Wellington College. Sandringham House was uh, um, Summerlinton Hall in East Anglia. Clarence House is, of course, our usual High Cannons House. 
in Hertfordshire. Windsor Castles, of course, our usual beaver in um, Leicestershire. And Burley House in Lincolnshire. Gatcombe Park was Rodham Park. And Althorpe House was Ragley Hall in Warwickshire. So as you can see, so much of the Crown Universe has expanded. We have so many different homes. And they really try to avoid shooting on sound stages when possible. They really try to film on location. Now, season four covers between 1979 to 1990, but in reality, it's actually the 80s. We don't really spend a lot of time in 1979. We only have about three-fourths of the first episode in 1979, and the very final bit of episode 10, so the very tail end of the season, is when we are in 1990. So most of these 10 episodes are actually spent from 1980 to 1989, which, as we've discussed is much better for storytelling. Season three tried to cover 13 years and it just got to be too, to get too much spread too thin. So what, of course, were some real events that happened in season four. Of course, they actually cover a lot and they actually don't really change too much in season four. But real events that happened. Lord, Lord Mountbatten was assassinated by the IRA in 1979. And then uh, subsequently, Margaret Thatcher came to power as prime minister. The firm did put a lot of pressure on Prince Charles in the late 70s and the early 80s to find a wife. He was in his 30s. He was the Prince of Wales. He needed to settle down. He needed to set an example. So there was actual pressure for him to find a wife. The Queen and Margaret Thatcher really did not get along, and the show does highlight that multiple times. Margaret Thatcher and Princess Diana did have to go through some form of Balmoral test, and the Balmoral test is something that does exist and other little tests throughout uh, the royal circle to see if you can really fit in, if you really understand what's going on here. That is something that does exist. and But it's not truly called the Balmoral Test. They're just little tests that happen. That is very true. Diana did, in fact, work for her sister as her cleaning lady, and she was a kindergarten teacher before she officially was engaged to Prince Charles. Prince Charles did date... Uh, Princess Diana's sister, Lady Sarah Spencer, then, now she's Lady Sarah McCorkadale. The royal family did have really intense game nights. Uh, we're not sure if what they played was true that what we see on the show, but they do have really known intense game nights. They love board games. Princess Diana did, in fact, roller skate through Buckingham Palace while she was engaged and while Charles was away on tour. Princess Diana did continue to take ballet lessons while she was engaged in, uh, throughout her tenure of just really ever. She really loved ballet and she really wanted to be a ballet dancer. Prince Charles and Princess Diana's engagement whirlwinds where they really didn't date for too long, picking out the engagement ring, the actual engagement process, and everything leading up to the 1981 wedding is, you know, it did happen pretty close. Princess Diana's grandmother, Lady Fermoy, did work for the for, for the firm. She was uh, she did work for the Queen Mother, and she did in the early years sort of help train Diana. But even then, Lady Fermoy took the side of the firm and really didn't support her uh, granddaughter too much. Margaret Thatcher's son did go missing for a few days during a rally race, and it was incredibly uh, tragic. Michael Fagan did break into Buckingham Palace a few times, the last one ultimately uh, resulting in him having a weird private audience with the Queen because he broke into her room. Prince Charles did go on tour shortly after his engagement with Prince with Princess Diana, but the show takes one stance where she seems all kind of giddy, but in reality she was crying because she had just found um, allegedly this bracelet. We'll get to it in a moment. 
Princess Diana and Camilla did have dinner quite a few times before Charles was was away. Uh, they actually had quite a few number of meetings before they got married. Princess Diana finding the bracelet that Charles was going to give to Camilla. The Falklands War. Princess Diana performing Billy Joel for Prince Charles's birthday and the subsequent fighting after. Uh, Princess Diana going on a solo tour to New York City. Charles and Diana going on their Australia tour and taking Prince, little baby Prince William with them. Princess Margaret having surgery in 1985 to remove part of her lung due to her smoking and her health issues are starting to build. Diana's eating disorder and as well as her struggles with her mental health. Princess Diana's affair with James Hewitt, the wedding of Prince Andrew and Sarah Ferguson in 1986. Princess Margaret having a home in Mustique and escaping there because she felt lost within the family. The two members of the Bose Lion family, uh, Nerissa and Catherine, as well as other members of the extended royal family uh, with any sort of mental issues being put into an institution and declared dead. That is something that did happen. Princess Diana and Prince Charles did go on a ski trip in 1988 that resulted in a huge avalanche that, all, that almost killed Prince Charles and did kill their friend Hugh Lindsay. There was the Commonwealth of Nations meeting in the Bahamas. The Queen allegedly speaking her disapproval about uh, about Margaret Thatcher and that getting leaked to, to the press and one of her staff members having to take the blame for it. That did happen. Prince Philip and the Queen intervening in Charles and Diana's marriage at times and of course the volatile relationship that Prince Charles and Diana had. So as you can see, a lot they did get right but what did they change what did they take liberty on so first one it's not known 100% if princess diana made a video for prince charles for their anniversary where she sings part of fans for the opera it is true that she went to the theater that andrew lloyd weber and parts of the cast were there but ultimately we don't know the finished product we don't really know what happened there and andrew lloyd weber really won't talk about it so that's where the show kind of took a little bit of artistic liberty here. And, of course, Emma Corrin could sing, so why not feature them? Did Lord Mountbatten send a letter to Prince Charles telling him he needed to settle down and watch sort of the curse of the Prince of Wales? Maybe they had a really close relationship, but we don't 100% know if it was true that he would actually do that. But they had a close relationship. They did have letters sent back and forth. They really had a great relationship, so... Possibly, but we don't 100% know. They got the timeline of things wrong a little bit. Margaret Thatcher's son went missing in January 1982, and the Falklands War didn't formally start until March 1982. So they have them sort of overlapping at times, but in reality, they were two completely independent events. The show kind of changes the timeline of things a little bit. And the biggest thing is how Prince... Charles and Diana met. The show depicts them as Prince Charles picking up Lady Sarah. He sees Princess Diana all in her costume for a Shakespeare play, but I believe it's Midsummer Night's Dream. And he's bespitten by her, and then we're off to the races there. When no, in reality, they met quite a few times between 1977 and 1978. Again, while he's dating Lady Sarah, but the first time they met was actually during a shooting outing weekend at Althorpe in 1977. They were first introduced in a field. They got closer because of Lord Mountain, Lord Mountbatten's funeral, which was in 1979, but it was in 1980. They, there was a ball. Princess Diana looked at Charles, and they had sort of a conversation, and she said, hey, I saw you at Lord Mountbatten's funeral. Just, 
I understand that loss. I understand that grieving. You must have felt a certain way and I completely understand. And then at that point, her fate was sealed. So the show kind of changes the course of events a little bit to get to the same outcome. Now they did, of course, only went on about like 12 or 13 dates, but even then they were still sort of chaperoned. And then at that point, he ultimately did propose. Now, the biggest thing is that the world, again, with their engagement show depicts royal family in support of where she picked her, her wedding ring. When in reality, they, they disapproved. They didn't like that. She picked it from, um, Gerard's that it was something that someone else could buy. They wanted her to pick either a vintage piece in the royal archives or have something bespoke custom made. And she didn't do that. And that you could have easily bought her, uh, another version of her ring. It is likely that princess Margaret did not speak up in support of Charles and not intervening with the marriage. And the show shows where Margaret goes, you know, Hey, I didn't get to marry the person I wanted to. And look what happened. We need to not let history repeat itself. We need to, you know, sort of stay out of things. We need to just let things happen. And ultimately that would probably would not have happened. Um, Princess Margaret and Princess Diana did have some of an amiable relationship at best, but of course things changed in 1995 after the big, interview with panorama but that's not this season princess diana finding the bracelet so the show depicts it as she finding it while she was while charles was away on his tour but when reading books both the andrew morton book both the book by sarah burton watching documentaries she found it like right before and that is in when you look at history you see her crying when she is watching his plane leave and if people think, oh, that shows how much she loves him. No, it's because she found that, you know, that bracelet. When in reality, that happened. So again, that timeline, they get the, they get the timeline. When Princess Diana and Prince Charles, they fudge the timeline a little bit for storytelling purposes, um, which I can understand. But again, it's these little minor things where, yes, it happened, but you're saying it happened here. But in reality, it happened here. That's sort of the big takeaway there. We will never fully know what happened between the Queen and Michael Fagan. So, of course, the Queen and the firm have not spoken on about this, just that it happened. He was taken away. Michael Fagan is still alive. He's kind of said where we talked about family, we talked about this, we talked about that. The story's been a little inconsistent, but the, again, it did happen, but what they talked about, and there's actually a few interpretations. There's one, like, short film where Dame Emma Thompson plays the Queen, and it's about Michael Fagan breaking in. And they talk about something different. There's another documentary about it where it's something different. It is truly unknown what they talked about. And, of course, the show depicts, what if they talked about this? Which is where the show's strength is. Where, hmm, let's go over here. So, yes, the break-in did happen, but we don't know what they talked about. The last two. The Avalanche. Yes, the avalanche happened. It was a thing in 1988 while Prince Charles and Princess Diana were on a ski trip. Yes, um... Prince Charles did get severely hurt and he actually almost died and they did lose their friend Hugh Lindsay but the show actually just sort of left things out in reality there was a little bit more fallout from that um, there was actually a court investigation where Charles was leading the group the weather reports were saying one thing but in reality it was something else he was leading the group and ultimately quote by skiing outside official marked runs, the group had assumed a collective risk that excluded any one member from personal responsibility from the incident, the investigators determined. 
So they all bore some responsibility. The fact that, hey, you went over here, but the actual accident you couldn't have controlled. So there is still some responsibility being held by the group. But again, the show just kind of left that investigation out. They made that sort of more contemplative and more, you know, Princess Diana and Charles are really trying to reevaluate their relationship. In reality, it kind of brought him a little closer for a few months. But then ultimately, of course, things went back to their toxic ways. And lastly, the relationship with James Hewitt that Princess Diana had, the show depicts her as having a lot of suitors and sort of going back and forth and having, you know, these sexual relationships. But in reality, she was very adamant that she did not have any sexual relationships. She was only true to Charles. Granted, she she sought emotional support and emotional validation from other people. But the actual act of sexual intercourse, she, in that sort of giving herself to someone that way was she only did that for charles but again sources again this is where conflicting where diana's camp says one thing the firm and charles says something else and this is where a lot of conflict happens and the show took the side of diana having a lot of suitors and be sort of really you know the revolving door of kensington palace when in reality it more than likely wasn't that it's just their way of highlighting this dichotomy between the two where charles has always had camilla and Diana is sort of having a whole bunch of suitors. It's acceptable for the Prince of Wales to have a mistress, but it's unsuitable for the Princess of Wales to have um, to have an affair. So that's a lot of what the show changed. Not necessarily what the show got wrong, but what the show changed. As you can see, it's really sort of minute things. It has a lot to do with the timeline of things, where they sort of skewed this or changed that. They sort of let this little bit out. They altered this a little bit. But in reality, they really suck a lot to history because so much drama happens this season in, re- well, in this timeline. And this is where sort of the royal soap opera really comes into play. But what did the show directly leave out? The show left a lot out this season. First one, the actual wedding between Prince Charles and Princess Diana. We see there's a whole episode dedicated to the lead-up, the training that Princess Diana went through. There's so much that they show leading up to it. In fact, they even show the rehearsal, but they don't actually show the wedding. Why is that? Well, it already exists in the world. You can watch the whole thing on YouTube. You, you can watch it here. There's you know, no issues or problems with that. But... They didn't want to replicate it solely just because they can. It needed to have a storytelling purpose. And replicating that wedding did not advance the storylines that they're trying that they're trying to do. So that's why they didn't have the wedding. There was an actual confrontation between Diana and Camilla in 1989. Charles and Diana went to a birthday party that Andrew Parker Bowles and Camilla were at, and Charles and Camilla kind of kept disappearing and Diana finally found them. Diana had a confrontation with Camilla where Camilla said, you know, you have everything in the world. All the men want you. All the women want to be you. You have fashion, you have clothes, you have beauty. And she's like, what else could you want? And Diana says, I want my husband back. And the ultimate quote of, I'm sorry, I'm getting in the way and it must be hell for both of you, but I know what's going on. Don't treat me like an idiot. And that was a confrontation that was left out. Diana's self-harm was actually much more intense than what was depicted on the show. Now, they do depict it. They do. They don't hold back with her bulimia. They show her bulimia. They show her depression, her isolation. They really show her, you know, her lows, which I really appreciate that they actually went there. 
but they left out some other things. When she was pregnant with Prince William, she threw herself down the stairs. She apparently cut her legs. She cut her uh, upper arms. She um, uh, went to go see a multitude of therapists and was trying to do you know, different medications and stuff. So they did show a little bit, which is the most any program has done thus far. They only ever, ever talk about it. They don't actually show it. And that was something that was groundbreaking at the time. That we actually get to see Princess Diana having a bulimic episode. So we have to give credit where credit is due. But they did actually leave some stuff out. Which I can understand. You don't want to depict too much. And um, if it's unnecessary for the show. The IRA attempted to assassinate uh, Prime Minister Thatcher in 1984. At the Brighton Hotel. There was a Brighton Hotel bombing where they did try to assassinate her. But the show already depicted that the public really didn't like her, they didn't approve of her, and you know, ultimately they don't they don't need to rehash this. They've already done it. Let's keep the story moving. They don't acknowledge the pregnancy or birth of Prince Harry. He's just here. And a lot again, more Princess Anne stuff. Princess Anne is now officially relegated to a background character at this point. They don't talk about the birth of Zara Phillips. They don't talk about some they mentioned some of her marriage issues. But they don't talk about all of them. They don't discuss where she ultimately decided to not give her children titles. To have them be, you know, have a much more normal life. There's also the leak letters between her and Timothy Lawrence in 1989. And again, the show is focusing on sort of three main people this season. And Princess Anne is not one of them. And so, of course, they're going to leave some things out. But the audiences really like Princess Anne, which is true to life. The public really likes Princess Anne. So they don't, they intentionally don't show things for her because that's not pertinent to the storyline. Strengths of the season. Dear Lord, did the jewelry get better. My God. Yes, at times you can clearly tell it looks costumey, but it still is much more accurate than season three. They really redeemed themselves with the jewels of season three. They got so much right and replicated so many beautiful pieces that it made my little heart sing. Yes, the costumes, they replicated so many beautiful costumes that they didn't need to. Again, they replicated almost a one-for-one replica of Diana's wedding gown. They, They got everything from the Emanuels. They got everything they could possibly need and more. And it was, it's beautiful. They replicated so much that they didn't need to. They handle such wonderful topics and very sensitive topics very well diana's mental health her bulimia the um alluding to prince andrew stuff or there's the episode where she's trying to pick where the queen's concerned about who's her who's her favorite child again alluding to the fact that prince andrew is allegedly her favorite again allegedly we don't know for certain and again they the only weak point from season three that I could point out readily was the jewels and they really redeemed themselves. So they're back up to par from what they did sort of their downfall before, but weaknesses. So the main focus of this is sort of get delving into a little bit of my, about my opinion, the show, the crown is focusing around the queen. It's focused on her, t- her time as queen, her tenure as queen, all that beautiful. Great. We love it. That this season really the storyline changes the storytelling changes where instead of the queen being the main character we now have essentially two and a half 
one being the queen the second being princess diana and the other half being margaret thatcher where and they really use it in the advertising where these three women are now the main focus of things and their relationships and their it's all sort of the, their relationships back to the queen but at times the show was really diana heavy which on one side i'm not complaining about because it's again diana's such an interesting an interestingly flawed character and her storyline is one that hasn't gone away in the family but again there were times where things were really diana heavy and in fact this was the first time when season four ends it's of her it's typically always the queen that ends the season well now diana ends the season so that was something that was really interesting um but again things got a little too diana heavy for me at times when there's still a lot that happened with the queen this season that could have been highlighted that they just didn't do so again i understand for storytelling purposes but also hey there's this whole other side here the show's kind of split the show's kind of fragmented but ultimately we achieved our three big goals which is diana enters the family and now we sort of understand why she you know why the 90s happened where she had her stella's got a groove back moment we see lows we see her marriage falling apart we see her mental health we see we truly understand more of the mistreatment that she got from the firm we have prince we have margaret thatcher and the queen at at odds where you know the queen's really experienced and has been the head of state where the prime minister is coming in so the queen at odds and kind of actually you know flexing her constitutional powers at times uh, we have where the oh, we have two women running running the nation and the uh running the nation in the uk so there's a lot that they highlight this season but the big character arcs here the really person having a huge character arc is diana because the queen and prince philip are settled at this point margaret has a little bit of a character arc where she is still this tragic character feeling lost she has her role taken away from her she princess margaret has her own episode dedicated to herself where that's where we find out that the bose lion sisters were declared dead but they're the ones and it sort of talks about royal image which is very true which is sort of icky to talk about because it is real um but this season again the at times it breaches away from the typical storytelling that they have done and gets a little too diana heavy which is fine but again i digress this season uh it started filming in august of 2019 and actually wrapped in may in march of 2020 in fact they were very little of it was impacted by the COVID 19 pandemic and you could clearly tell the episode that was the only one that was impacted was actually the episode about the avalanche and you can kind of tell that you know there's a lot more solo vignettes and contemplative you know there's there's a lot of these different types of vignettes that of course like hey a lot of people are mysteriously alone or people are talking from really far away from in the in the room you can tell okay they've had to really replan things because of the pandemic this season has 8.5 out of 10 according to imdb which is right up there with seasons one and two again placing season three as the lowest ranking season thus far it has a 95 percent on uh, rotten tomatoes on the tomato meter and 88 percent audience score on rotten tomatoes and it has an 86 percent with with metacritic so again it's right up there with seasons one and season two season three is again still this sort of outlier that's slightly lower 
So my opinion on this, I kind of alluded a little bit on this. This season was truly phenomenal. It is lightning in a bottle. And Peter Morgan got, in my opinion, too close to the sun in a slightly comical way. So right after season four came out and we see a lot, we see where the queen's being neglectful to Princess Diana. She's calling out for help and she just kind of clams up, doesn't know what to do. We see huge explosive arguments from Charles and Diana. We see the, again, Bo's Lion sisters and the whole conversation, which touches into little Prince John from the turn of the century about, you know, if the royal family is perceived as, you know, tainted or weak, then, you know, what is, what, what's, what do we look like? Peter Morgan got too close to, to the sun. And in fact, the week that it came out and if, you know, the public's reacting, memes come out online, um, the firm actively tried to get a disclaimer put on the season and the rest of the show actually they tried to push through and they got a little bit of the house of lords on board but ultimately it didn't go through they tried to put a disclaimer on the show that this show's fake the show's fake it is you know this isn't real and the only reason that you would react such such uh, such a way is if you felt threatened by it and in my opinion peter morgan got a little too close to to the sun we it really completely brought down all of the really good PR Charles and Camilla worked so hard for since 2005 when they finally got married and you know season three really helped get people on Charles's side because he was painted as this really tragic character but ultimately season four brought all of that crashing down the season's beautiful. They got so many costumes right. They really captured a lot of the 80s fashions and colors. They really, again, they don't hold back this season. And it shows. And this is where, again, subsequent fallout, shortly after this season was announced, and of course the government got involved, Peter Morgan ultimately decided, nope, there's not going to be a sixth season. There's only going to be a fifth season. And he then said, we're not, we're actively not going to get to Common Era. We aren't going to get to, to today because the show isn't journalism. It's a drama. It's fantasy. Um, but ultimately, he reworked things. And we are going to get two more seasons. But the timeline is going to be slowed down. And I ultimately... <laughs> the show's better when the story, when the timelines are much smaller. But yeah, this season almost completely jeopardized the rest of the show. And this season got the government involved at a little bit. It Over here in the States, again, everybody's taking it as biblical truth. And everybody, you know, there were so many videos that came out about, no, 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 this is parts of the show isn't real. It's being manipulated. This, these characters aren't real. But again, I stand by it. The government wouldn't got, have gotten involved if if it was so outlandishly fantasy that you know they'd have to worry again this made the, the firm look bad and ultimately they reacted accordingly this is a fantastic season emma corrin at times looked too much like princess diana and it was really frightening she looked so good though they really didn't hold her and Josh O'Connor really didn't hold back in their arguing, which I really appreciated because it felt real. The arguments felt real. Um, the queen being aloof about what her kids are doing, very real. Again, this season felt very real. This season reminded me a lot of season one. It felt real. It felt believable. It felt 
again the characters while fake uh, their motivations felt real the storylines you know diana feeling completely isolated by the family and it's again this is a beautiful season that i'm so happy to to to, to discuss it really reminded everyone of truly the trauma princess diana went through where the firm didn't readily understand her and she tried to reach out for help and then she didn't get it granted the show takes liberties at times which is what the show does we've already discussed this you can go back through the the crown playlist and watch where we sort of discuss in season one what the show's doing but this season is truly fantastic they left out some big things they also left out a tampon gate where uh prince charles the phone calls of prince charles were leaked where he wished that he was a tampon for camilla so that he could be inside her always like that's not that's not cute. They 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 left that out, um, which probably was a wise decision. Um, but season four, remarkable season, groundbreaking season. Again, threatened the crown feels threatened now, the real crown, and it shows in their reaction where Prince Charles is angry. The prime minister is trying to get this disclaimer put on the show. It doesn't go through. Peter Morgan having to come out going, guys, this show's fake. It was, you know, the fallout on social media after the season where so many people turned against the against the royal family so fast. But again, this show it's 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 a drama. It's fake. We've discussed, you know, what they got right, what they changed, what they left out. And again, they really only changed minor details. I think it's a great season, and I look forward for to, to season five. There we have it. Season four of The Crown. Wonderful season. Now the crown feels now the actual firm feels threatened. It'll be interesting to see what season five has to offer. It'll be interesting to see what they do now that for season five, they're gonna really be holding a microscope to it and we'll be reacting accordingly. But We've come to the end of The Crown, but not all is lost. Next time, we'll be actually reviewing Royal Film. Check on social media as I've been putting out polls to see what you want to watch, what you want me to review, as again, we are reviewing Royal Media ahead of Season 5 of The Crown. And of course, once trailer drops, all that, we will be watching it. But there we have it. Leave a comment down below. What did you think of Season 4? Were you just as enamored? What did you think of Season 4? But as always, thank you for stopping by. Links are down in the description box below. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and I will see you in the next one.